Welcome to the Crossways Podcast, a podcast where we talk about how we can walk in the way of the cross. I'm your host, Jonathan Germany, and with me is my great friend, my co-host, Joshua Fowler. This podcast is brought to you by the Ministry League and also Goodwood Church of Christ and Holly Hill Church of Christ. We're glad you're here. Oh, man, what's going on, uh, everybody? Um, I'll just say Josh. We were just talking. But uh, we are glad that that you are here. Um, I'm staying warm. Uh, In fact, I I am warm, but my space heater isn't even turned on right now. Uh, I've probably kept it running. You know, you're not supposed to keep these little, you know, personal heaters or space heaters, you know, even ones for, like, small rooms. They're not supposed to run all the time. I think I left mine running for several days in a row, and uh, so I, I turned it off so I, it wouldn't burn down the building, because that would, that would not be great. <laughs> but, no. but I'm staying warm. Uh, are, are you guys staying warm? To give us kind of uh, an update of the weather down there. No, it's, here's the thing in Baton Rouge. It's really, it's really not that cold. Um, we got down to... 19 degrees so there are so many places that are so much colder um cities down here on the coast just aren't built um i mean if they're built for it to dip into the 30s and maybe below freezing but like i'm down there for an hour or two and then i'm back up to working my way up to 40 or 50 or 60. um and so it's just the pipes, I was telling my brother, I said the pipes in our house are buried so low or so shallow that in the summertime, I don't get cold water in my sink faucet. Um, if I want cold water, I've got to go to the refrigerator um, just because it's so, it's probably less than three feet below below the surface. Oh, yeah, they, they um, don't bury them very deep. No, and so they just, they really, so when you get a, an extended amount of, of freezing like we have now, you really have to be you know, cover your pipes, drip your faucets, those kind of preparations that you make in cold weather climates anyway, um, become so instrumental in, in protecting, you know, those kind of things in, a, in here. So that's kind of the biggest thing we've dealt with, but, um, yeah, well, at least it's warming up. Have, yeah. At least you don't have to worry about flooding basements or anything. That's true. Uh, there, there are no basements in South no, Louisiana. <laughs> a basement in South Louisiana would be below the water table, and it would be an indoor swimming pool. <laughs> Which may not be a bad idea, right? I mean, yeah, that's I'm right. Just, that's right. Just kidding. But um, I'm glad you're you're safe. Uh, 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 we'll be praying for if you're watching uh, later, or you have family who's uh, not doing too good. Uh, we'll be praying for them. Uh, let us know, and uh, we can pray specifically. But uh, we have a question we wanted to start you guys asking because this happens to me. I don't want to answer this question because I'm too scared to to answer this question. Oh, I put the I put the wrong banner up. Let's do this. Let's do it this way. Um, I'm too scared to answer this question because it happens too frequently. Whether it's you know where's my phone, where are the keys, where's my wallet? Oh, and and my pocket. You know, but have you ever? And, and for those who are watching, please let us know. Have you ever looked for something unsuccessfully that was just completely in plain sight? And it took someone saying it it's like right there <laughs> for you to be able to see it. 
Are you asking me? I don't know that oh, I want to really answer this question. I know this. This um, is a hard one. I mean, well, it's it's not hard to answer. It's hard to 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 want to answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, in fact, just um, I guess it was yesterday or the or the day before. Uh, no, it was Sunday. Sunday evening. Uh, Heather was was on her way home, and you know, I was like, "Hey, we need some chili." Uh, and I don't know if we have the makings for chili. And so she goes, no, I'll stop by the store and, and pick some stuff up. I was like, we need cheese. She said, I just bought a whole new package of cheese. And I was like, well, I'm looking at the cheese and there is no cheese left. And I really need cheese for my chili. Um, <laughs> and she's like, okay, well, I'll pick some up. But I know I bought some. I was like, yeah, but we had nachos. We had Mexican, you know, a couple nights ago. Um, we probably just used it all. Cause it was a little package. So she goes to Walmart. Walmart is just, it's a madhouse, you know? So she comes home and she opens the refrigerator and she goes, do you see this? And she pulls out this unopened bag of shredded cheese. It's like, huh, where was that? She goes, it was right there in the drawer. I was like, I'm pretty sure I looked in the drawer multiple times. And also in the drawer was a brand new unopened package of corn tortillas, which I had just said, hey, we need to put corn tortillas on the list because I'm using the last one for our breakfast tacos this morning. She's like, oh, there should be somewhere in there. I'm like, mm, don't think so. I've looked. These are the last three. <laughs> she goes, hey, here's a package of corn tortillas unopened and a brand new package of cheese right there in the drawer where it goes. A drawer which I looked in multiple times, by the way. Just uh, It was hiding bet, in plain sight. I, I, I bet they weren't there, though. I, I bet she had bought them. Put them in, close the door. It's a conspiracy. It's a it conspiracy. Is a complete conspiracy. Conspiracy. Just like the the there are no birds. Birds aren't real. If you've seen that, and uh, very serious, yeah. uh, very true. But yes, Bruce, uh, I feel like that's my life there. Uh, sometimes, you know. If it had been a snake, just... it would have bitten you. That was my mother's <laughs> favorite uh, line as well. Uh, we didn't say that. Um, if, if Catherine, if you're watching. Uh, don't get too scared. I won't be saying that. Uh, <laughs> Catherine does not like snakes. And, I don't um, either. She she is terrified of snakes, and she will just she will she will probably kill you or maim you if it means that she can get escape from a snake attack, and you might just get killed <laughs> in the process. And uh, so stay away. But we're talking about. It's not seeing things that are clearly in plain sight because sometimes it's hard for us to see Jesus acting, to see the work that Jesus is doing. And, and, I, and we put unexpected places in, in our title, but that's because we're not looking correctly or, and we're not seeing it because we expect him to show up in maybe some different ways than he, than he shows up. So mm -hmm. uh, I guess we're here in Mark chapter 6 still, I believe. And um, if I put the right reference down. Yeah, that's right. Chapter 6, so in, verse uh, 45. Yeah, we're in Mark 6. And uh, so what's happened is we, we've just talked about the feeding of the, um, the 5,000. And he said he immediately made his disciples go into the boat. And then he dismissed the crowd. And they're already on the you know, in the boat, they're already on the water. And then evening came, and what? Jesus is still not there. And they're on a boat. And 
all of a sudden, what happens? Well, it says the fourth watch, so it's pretty late. Mm -hmm. And he came to them walking on the sea. <laughs> now, first of all, uh, it's a little weird. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we like to say, oh, yeah, Jesus walks on water. No, you know, sure. No, this, this was not usual. <laughs> this was not expected. <laughs> I mean, I, Josh, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't there something with fishermen and sea legends and stuff oh, like well, that? Well, you know, the, the sea is that, you know, the place, because it's so unknown, right? Yeah. And the sea is so volatile. Um, there's this Jewish perception of, you know, the water as the place where evil resides. Um, and that goes, that goes back to the very beginning, right? Water is chaotic. Um, and in Genesis chapter 1, the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. And there's this chaos, and God brings it to order. And I think that that perception of water pervades um, Jewish thought, especially, is that the water is where the unknown lies. The water is where, you know, there's this evil that resides, which is why when Jesus casts the demons into the pigs, they go running into the water. Um, that would have fit right in line with where the demons belonged to those Jews who he was speaking to. Um, and it was kind of a way of which I think they uh, reconciled the volatile nature, uh, particularly of the Sea of Galilee, uh, you know, how these storms would just spring up all of a sudden. And so here you are, um, you're in the middle of the ocean, and then here comes this person or person-like figure walking in the middle of the sea i mean this is a this is a fantastic if you went home and told this story no one would believe you right they would no. either think you had you had seen david blaine um or you had seen a ghost those are the only two options when it comes to walking on water so <laughs> well and what's what's interesting is it says he to pass by them so they wouldn't like here's this figure who's just walking on the water coming straight for them right it's not the fact of oh what's that you know they're that's not what's happening he's off a ways walking on open water and they see him on the distance and they completely panic mm -hmm. and they complete and you know part of me wants to ask do they not recognize him if you saw someone you've been spending a lot of time with how far would it take for you to no longer recognize who they were yeah be pretty far at least we would, at least that's would, what we think that's how we're reading it sometimes you would think so i mean it's dark right yeah um, it's it says you know very early in the morning so we're looking at the the wee hours of the morning so it's it's dark um our minds want to go to the simplest explanation, right? I mean, this is what is intriguing to me, um, that they see someone walking on water, and the simplest explanation for their mind is, it's, it's a ghost. <laughs> you know? Hey, how, how impactful must this have been if the simplest thing my mind can come up with is, this is an apparition? Um, because, look, I can explain away ghosts. There are all kinds of much simpler explanations 
you know, for ghosts to exist in my immediate life because I don't want to go there. I don't want to think about that realm. I don't want to think about um, the possibility of other things coexisting with us um, in the midst of this space that we are dwelling in. And so immediately their mind goes to this, it's got to be a ghost because people don't walk on water. Uh, and Jesus has done some amazing things, um, but he, they've never witnessed this before or seen anything like it. And so here comes Jesus walking on the water. And, and for me, I get to this place where I wonder, what are the things that Jesus is doing in my own life or in our own life that we don't recognize because we haven't learned to train our mind to look for Jesus and God's action first? Um, yeah. We, 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 we almost put limits on God or we, we put them in a, in a box and, and we'll, we'll, we, uh, we'll get to there in just a few moments. But I think before we, we talk about putting God in a box, something that, that I do want us to, to look at real quick is the fact that when they were terrified and they were in panic, he, it says he immediately, I like how Mark is always talking about immediately, you know, at once. Mm -hmm. I, I love those descriptions. He says, immediately he spoke to them. So he was at least close enough within speaking range, unless this was another mir miracle of him being like Dumbledore with the wand on his, you know, or not, was it Dumbledore? No, it was Fudge, right, on the Quidditch tournament where he put his, right, his right. wand on his throat and all of a sudden it was like a PA system. I'm like, maybe Jesus just did something. I'm, I kid, but he was close enough where they could speak. And he said, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. He didn't even have to say, it's Jesus. He goes, it's me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, hey, don't worry, it's me, guys. And then he got into the boat with them, and they were utterly astounded. And then it says, they still didn't understand the loaves. <laughs> there it goes again. They're still like, oh, I don't get it. <laughs> and uh, which is, again, what we talked about in uh, one of our previous uh, podcasts and previous episodes. But I, what I like to point out here is that even though we may not always see Jesus, he always sees us. Right. Even though we may not see Jesus, he always sees us in need and he's there. We see him coming to people to comfort them because they still did not understand. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I like this question that Bruce asks you know, about, about the perception that we have for Christians. Um, Jesus is always among the places where souls need to be saved. Um, you know, but in the physical, if we are in a place where souls need saving, what would be the perception, you know, for that Christian? A lot of times we don't want to put ourselves in that position. Uh, but I think it's an important um, understanding here that, you know, Jesus recognizes where there's a need and he's always present where there's a need. Um, you know, he sees that the wind is against him. He sent them out onto the lake a long time ago. You know, they've probably been, been rowing this boat for <laughs> eight hours, maybe. You know, because he sent them off. Then evening came. He's dismissed the crowd. He goes in the mountain to pray. And then he comes out and he says it's fourth watch or very early in the morning. So, I mean, it's possible they've been rowing this boat for six or eight hours or so. And they're getting nowhere. Yeah. And so he, he comes in, he sees them, and he sees that they're struggling. <laughs> and he's and walking he easier than they're rowing. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
That might be also why they thought I was a ghost. No human being can walk on water one. And also, he's walking faster than we're rowing. And there's, you know, how many of us, (laughs) you know, trying to drive this boat? And, and I really like that. And they, they don't recognize him until he's there. And once they do, they're completely shocked. Instead of saying, oh, makes sense. <laughs> you know, oh, okay. Oh, we should have remembered that. It's almost like, you know, we're there in the refrigerator going, honey, where's the ketchup? Well, it, it's right there on the middle shelf. I don't see ketchup. No, it's it, it's right there. And instead of going, I should have seen it. We're like, how did I not see? No, it's the, it's, right. We're amazed that it's been there the whole time. And, and I think we have to talk about how can we get beyond the point of where we miss Jesus and start being able, like you said, to recognize him and train ourselves to see him in ways where maybe we don't expect are ways where we haven't trained ourselves to see before. Well, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's fair to uh, look. I have read stories like this since I was a child. Um, And before I could read them, um, my parents read them to me. My grandparents read them to me. And so when I hear Jesus feeds the 5,000, yeah, it's a miracle. And it's, it's crazy what transpired, but, it's just second nature for me because I've heard it all of my life. Jesus walking on water. I've tried to walk on water. It doesn't work for me, but I'm not Jesus. So it doesn't surprise (laughs) me that Jesus is able to do that. So um, I I think it's easy for me to overlook exactly what these guys are going through. Um, I have run out of food. You know, I have prepared enough food for 130 people and had 150 show up and I didn't have enough to feed them. Um, and I've looked at that pan of food going, how can I make this stretch? How can I make this last? I can't imagine what it must have been like to see Jesus breaking off a piece of a bread with the loaf never stops. You know, it's like yeah. that magic trick where the handkerchief just keeps coming out of the sleeve over and over and over again, except this is bread. And I handed him the loaf of bread, and I know that it is a single loaf, and it should feed two, maybe three people, and it's now fed thousands. Um, and we have baskets and baskets left over, more left over than we started with, and we fed 10,000 people or so. Um, this doesn't make sense. I've, I've had those amazing things happen, and you know, I think about these guys. They, they're through the stress of it, right? They're feeding, they're picking up, they're cleaning up. And Jesus says, go get in the boat, go to the other side. I'm going to meet you there. And then they get in the boat and there's no one around and they sit down and they start talking to one another. And it was like, what did we just see? What did we just witness? What did, what did we just take part in? Like you were there, right? Like all we had was a few loaves and a couple of fish, Right. Like, you didn't bring any more. You didn't go to the store, did you? You didn't go to the store, did you? You didn't go to the store, did you? Like, that's all we had. Like, what happened? How did this, you know, when when everything is now allowed to be processed? And in the middle of that, here comes this person walking on water. And (laughs) like, the last thing in my mind is Jesus is walking on water because I'm still trying to process the fact that we just fed 10,000 people with 
a sack lunch. Yeah. Um, and they don't recognize him probably because their minds are still spinning from what they witnessed. Um, that it's just, I just think I take it for granted what it must have been like to be in that moment with Jesus. Um, and then to get to this episode. Uh, I can see that because it, it, it would be, I mean, when we're surprised by something, to hit us with another surprise is almost like, oh no, too much. <laughs> right. You know, hold on, one surprise at a time. And right. uh, so, and I think possibly it's because, not saying we should never be surprised by God, because that's going to happen. Right. But sometimes we're surprised because where do we, we've, limited God or we've thought of him mm -hmm. inside like this box where like the disciples they should not have been surprised at this point even though it's early they should still not have been surprised because Jesus kept saying what how could you not know how right. could you not know you should have known by now you should have known by now it's not like they met Jesus for the first time mm -hmm. you know for us I feel like because we have the scriptures, we, we have an advantage they didn't have. We see the whole picture. We've seen everything he did. Well, okay, everything that was recorded, right? I mean, <laughs> John says many more things and signs that he do, but these are recorded so that you may believe. Okay, sure, I believe. And then something happens and we go, I didn't believe that was possible. Well, John said, <laughs> I wrote these things so that you may believe. And these things aren't right. just easy things. These are extraordinary things. And we almost limit what God can do. And not just, oh, what he can do, but what God can do through us. Not just, oh, what he can do for us. And when we put those limits on him, we almost expect God to show up in a certain way. And when he doesn't, we don't see where he has shown up. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what the disciples were missing, I think. Even though you're right, it would be so, we take for granted what it would have been like to be there. But Jesus showed up. God showed up mm -hmm. in the feeding of the 5,000, in the calming of the storm, and in all the other things. At this point, it was, man, you should have known by now. And, and I feel sometimes that's the question that I have to ask myself is, do you actually know? <laughs> Jesus is saying to me, you should have known by now. Yeah, and I, I think there's an openness um, that, that we have to live with because when I put my own expectations on, on things, whether it's, what God will do or how God will act or, or how God will use certain aspects or experiences in my life. Um, then I, I put, like I said, I put those boundaries around what God is allowed to do or enabled to do in, in my life. Not that I'm taking his power away, but God is only going to work in ways that I'm going to allow him to work in my own life. He'll work in the world however he sees fit. But in order for him to use me, um, I have to allow myself to be used in that capacity because he's not going to force himself in where I haven't made him welcome. And 
it's not, I don't think so much that Jesus says you should have known better as he should have said, or as, as it was an indication of, you need to be more open and willing, yeah. right? I mean, he goes to the children, he says, unless one becomes like one of these little children, they've got really no place in my kingdom. And you think about what is impossible for a child? Nothing, right? right? The whole world is open to them. Their imaginations are un, unscathed by the world yet. They're not callous. They can do anything they want to do. They take them places. They pretend. Um, they. It's just they're completely open. It's why I wasn't allowed to jump off the, the swing set in <laughs> Fort. No, you can't fly, Jonathan. That's right. You you cannot. I don't care what you think you can do or what movie you just watched to indicate otherwise, uh, but you cannot fly. Um, uh, I also says who? A, yeah. yeah, I tried to be a Jedi for, for like an hour one day. Just being like, oh, come here. And it, it just never worked, you know. And Yeah. But the imagination. And so there's just yeah. the imagination, the openness, and to just to just set your mind and your heart before God and say, like, I don't know how you're going to show up and I don't know how you're going to work, uh, but give me the eyes to see it when it comes. Yeah. Um, that, that, that to take my own expectation out of it and say, let me just be here. Let me be willing. Um, that's the, that's one of the biggest challenges. And we see it happening with the apostles over and over and over again. Um, really until the spirit comes at Pentecost, you know, they really don't have the ability to just, um, lay themselves before God in such a way. So, uh, I tell our teenagers, and, and Bruce, is, uh, one of his daughters, is in our class often, and uh, I've, I've always told them a lot of times, maybe we, some, it's okay to ask God and pray for God to show up certain ways, but we also need to be asking, give us the wisdom to recognize what you want, or give us the wisdom to recognize how you are going to act. Mm -hmm. And because, like you said, it is about being open. It is about not just saying, okay, God, uh, I expect you to do it this way. And we get that tunnel vision and we're looking this way. And he's doing something great over here. But right. we're too busy saying, where are you? You're not right here. Where are you? And he's like, look, cool, awesome stuff over here. <laughs> we're like, well, no, you're not right here. And... It's because we haven't been open to say, you know, uh, I keep saying you know a lot, but uh, I want you to recognize that I may not show up the way you expect. And being open to that is, I think, the first step into recognizing Jesus in, in really everyday life. Have you, have you seen the uh, Skit Guys episode on prayer? Which one? <laughs> There's no. several of them. I've seen a lot of them. Is it one of their older ones? Yeah, it's it's been it's been a while. Okay. Um, yeah. But it's just the way we have the different languages that we like to use in prayer. And <laughs> there's the one, you know, where the guy's like, Well, God, I don't know where you are, and then God is sitting right next to him and he goes, I'm right here. I'm like, why are you looking over there? Just talk to me. I'm right here. And, you know, and the guy's looking all over the place. He goes, I can't see you, and I don't know really how you're working, but I know you're up there somewhere. And he's like, no, I'm right here. And he's right there in his ear, you know. Um, and I, it's just so easy to miss. Uh, and largely because the our experiences in the world have just created this callousness on our hearts um, that we're just not willing to be 
completely open before God. Um, and I think that's something that we've got to be able to, uh, to really be more um, in tune with is that ability to just say, here I am, send me just like Isaiah. Hey, here I am. Send me. Uh, you tell me where, when, when, Abraham was called to go. God said, Abraham, I want you to pick up your stuff and I want you to go to a place that I will tell you. Yeah. And Abraham said, yes, sir. And he picked up and he went and he waited for him to say this place. Now you can settle. <laughs> how, how much trust it would have taken. Uh, I wonder if it's, and I, as you were talking, uh, two things hit my mind. And um, I wonder if it's either about lack of willingness to give up control because we like to, we like to be in control and God uh, I trust you but do it my way <laughs> or, or, or mm -hmm. is it a lack and, and you and I have both read the wonder switch so I wonder is it also a lack of wonder a lack of being able to mm -hmm. recognize the wonder in God's majesty or maybe it's a combination of both that mm -hmm. causes us to miss Jesus yeah, no, I think, look, our experiences in our world has taught us how things act, has taught us how things behave. There is a right and there is a wrong way for things to occur. Um, and there is a scientific way. And then there is a childish way. And, you know, you got to put those childish things away. Um, you know, I, a lot of people, a lot of times give me a hard time for acting like a child. Um, and not in an irresponsible way, but in a, I really don't care what you think of me kind of a way. Um, and if we're at Chuck E. Cheese and my kid wants me to go up on Chuck E. Cheese and dance with him with the robot mouse, um, I'm going to get up on there and I'm going to dance with him and the robot mouse because, you know, they only turn four once. They only turn five once. And I'm not really concerned about what adult norms say we should do and, and act when it comes to creating things for my kids. Um, I want them to know that, that it's okay, whether you're 20, 30, 40, or 70, to continue to have that spirit of, of wonder about the world um, that is willing and able to sit down with some G.I. Joe men and a doll and play. And allow your mind to take you to places um, that you just physically can't travel. To a allow that party. imagination exploration, yeah, like a, yeah. like a tea party, a, a with tea party with Mrs. Pickles or whatever, yeah. right? <laughs> um, you know, to just stay in that place because you know that that is I I really believe that that is part of what Jesus is saying when he says, "Let the little children come to me." Like these, these are the ones that I can use because they are completely open to me. Um, and when it comes to, you know, our ability to, uh, to recognize Jesus is, is, is we have to be able to just put those things aside, to recognize that Satan has created this world around us that has said, this is appropriate and this is not. And God is trying to tell us, stop listening to what Satan tells you is appropriate and be willing to look for me in the craziest of places. But to but to look for me, and and I'll show up. Um. I like that, I like that. And then, when he does show up, we also get that comfort from him. When he does show up, it, 
we get comforted because, well, one, the more we become uncomfortable, <laughs> the more uncomfortableness becomes comfortable. And that mm -hmm. sounds completely backwards, but the more you do, you, you do the uncomfortable for Jesus, the more those things actually bring you that comfort and you can find that peace, you can find that strength through him. And we see here, the disciples were uncomfortable. What did we just witness? This was, right. this, this was weird. Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know how to feel about this. They were probably in a state of, I, I would even say, in a state of maybe some unhealthy wonder, where they were saying, this couldn't have happened. No way. We, there must have been some trick. There must have been some families had some food and they all shared some stuff. This could not have happened in a tea and crumpets. <laughs> yes. But, um, yeah. but I think that's, that's kind of where we're at is we can find comfort in knowing that, like you said, in prayer, I'm right here. I'm right here. Yeah, and, and I'll give you I'll give you a practical way. Um, I love watching um, magicians, yes. right? And, and and Harris talks about this in the Wonder Switch as well. Uh, but our minds naturally want to go when you see someone do a magic trick, whether it's a card trick, or you know David Blaine or Chris Angel or somebody just sitting at a table with you doing something. Oh. You you immediately want to go. How'd you do that? Um, how did you do that? That's the question our minds want to immediately ask because we aren't comfortable being in that place of unknown. Because what I know is you did not just make that a card appear out of nowhere. I know you didn't just snap your fingers and that card appeared. So I want to know, how did you do it? Because I want to do it. Um, I have really done my best to just watch things like that, whether it's a video someone has shared or someone doing it in person. And instead of saying, teach me how to do that, say, do it again, because I want to see. And just allow yourself to be in the moment and to be amazed, even as, as an adult. And instead of saying, I know how you did that. I can't do it, but I know how you did that. You got a little card tucked up under here. When you snapped, you flipped them and this one flipped back and forth, you know, because that's the cynical mind that's coming in. Uh, but you can start with some of these very basic things like card tricks or thimble tricks or coin tricks and just allowing yourself to be in that moment of wonder without having to know how it happened or to let everyone around you know exactly how it happened. Um, because that, that trains us, right? That trains us to be there, to put that away. Um, and if I can do it with the little things, then I can start learning how to do it with the big things. Um, and I don't, I don't have to ask God, how are you going to do this? I'm just going to sit and watch how God works and wait for him to tap me on the shoulder and say, okay, now it's your turn. Get in there and go to work because I've laid the groundwork for you. Yeah. Um, Abraham was promised a son, right? He was promised that I will make your name great. I will make you into a great nation. This, you know, count the stars. Oh, you can't count the sand on the shore. Oh, you can't. But that's how big your name's going to be. That's how big your your family will be. How long did he wait? Well, how long did he wait at first? And how long did he have to wait on God to fulfill that promise? Years. Like 11 was, years. Oh, it was, it was 11 at, years, oh, I think. And at, then at least I think it was 11 years when Ishmael. after the promise, when he had Ishmael with Hagar. And, and then I think it was another 14 or, thir or 13 or 14 years after that. Yeah. 
It was a long time. Yeah. And meanwhile, he's saying, okay, God, how are you going to do this? I have no child. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. Mm-hmm. And it's a lesson in looking for Jesus, but also waiting on Jesus. That's the, that's the hardest part about looking for Jesus in unexpected places because we get impatient in the moment we say he didn't show up here, we then jump to he didn't show up at all. Right. I don't see the the cheese. The cheese is in here. <laughs> well, I don't I don't mean to attack you, but No. Man. Trust me. I've I have uh, I don't say I've been attacked. I've not been attacked, but I have been laughed at you know, for, for not seeing those things. And it's okay. As long as it sticks with cheese, I'll miss the cheese. As long as I don't miss God's work. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, goodness. Well, any closing thoughts, uh, before we dismiss? No, I just, it meant it takes work, you know, it takes work. And, and just like, just like the apostles here in the boat, um, sometimes God piles on, um, you know, thing after thing after thing. And sometimes it takes us getting to a place where we're just like, look, I don't, I just, I give up. You know, I'm going to stop trying to figure it out. Um, and, and I'm just going to sit back and watch and, and, and see what transpires because I don't have the energy to keep searching anymore. Um, I don't want to get to that point, right? I mean, I want to be the kind of uh, Christian, the kind of God person that, that says, I'm going to actively put these things away um, and seek the way God is working. And, and that's what I really just encourage people to do is just to, when you find yourself being cynical or even cynically thinking about, you know, what may transpire or all of the, the negative things that are going on to just sit back and say, okay, God, um, show me. Just, just let me be an open book. Let me have an open mind and open eyes. And just show me, show me what you want me to do and how you're going to go to work here. Um, and once we can once we can create that space in our hearts for God to work, um, I, I think we find it much more, um, not easier, um, but it comes more naturally uh, to seek out God's, uh, the way God is working in those ways. So. Um, cultivate that environment in your heart and in your mind so so God can work. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it has been uh, fantastic. I think I want to, uh, I'll just end on, on what you said because that's really good. Uh, we want to thank you for joining us on, on the Crossways podcast. And we, we want to remind you of what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2, verse 21, when he said, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. It's our goal here on this podcast for us to find ways that we can walk in the way of the cross. And really by doing that, by walking in his footsteps and by being transformed into the image of Jesus. As always, I'm Jonathan. This is Josh. And we'll see you guys next Thursday on Crossways.